This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where right now summer favorites are there. I'm talking about the Oregon Star Seedless Tomatoes. If you're making those Caprice salads, it's the perfect match. Uh, local stone fruit, we're talking peaches, nectarines, cherries, and of course, Zupan's Fresh Stretch Mozzarella. Am Did I saying ever- that right? Mozzarella. There you go. It depends on where you're coming from. Certainly. Uh, Pair that up with the tomatoes we were just talking about, or the peaches, or balsamic. Oh, so good. And also, um, Eleanor, our dear friend over at uh, Zupan's, mentioned to me their colossal scallops. They're dry-packed and flown in fresh. They're the biggest in town. So if you like scallops, you want to get over to Zupan's. and plan your summer dinner around those. Um, and their seafood mm-hmm. and their meat departments are fantastic. If you've never been to Zupan's, you have to go. You're missing out because you're, you're talking about food. They also have a great floral design center. And now they've paired up their floral design with wine classes taking place at the Burnside location. Uh, the last Saturday of July and August from 7 to 9, you can get full details on that online at zupans.com. Right. And then down in Lake Oswego... They now have former Nel Centro and Pazzo chef John Eisenhart, the Zupan chef, and there's one last dinner available. August 18th, it's a Hawaiian-style pig roast, so he's running the show there now, and you know they all sold out pretty quickly this year mm-hmm. with him at the helm, and so I suggest you get on that as you're going to Zupans.com and checking out that news feed to get uh, those emails that give you some good deals every week. Yep. Uh, check out that dinner as well. Three locations, McAdam, Burnside, and Lake Grove, and as you mentioned, always, zoopans.com. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson of Kink.fm. Yeah. Once again, we've got uh, Chris out at the coast, phoning it in. Yeah, that's the way I usually do it. Just the the path of least resistance. (laughs) That's something I think my, (laughs) my wife tells me all the time. Yeah, well, I'm only doing, you know, we recorded this and we put our passion into our interviews and uh, and time gets a little tight. We don't always get to do the intros as we are um, recording them. So it's nice to, through the, um, through the advantages of technology, to be able to chat with you and our audience while I'm sitting here comfortably in my living room in Manzanita. Very nice. So today's guest, I, I thoroughly, Chris, I thoroughly enjoyed this interview. I didn't, I didn't pop in too much during it, but uh, catching catching up with Renee Gorham was it was just, it was just great. She gives us an update on John and his health, and kind of gives us her own story about how she ended up in the food scene. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, she's very candid, and. Uh, you know, Renee is a, uh, what did I call her? A key cog. Yes, yeah, yeah, you called her Renee? a key cog. Yep, but that was it. Yeah, but you can't talk about the Portland food scene with one of, without talking about any one of John and Renee Gorham's restaurants. They are yeah. absolutely at the top of our uh, food world here. They've done, they've contributed a lot to not only a lot of diners' pleasure, um, but also the um 
the industry here. There are a lot of people who have worked for them, who have grown within the organization, and uh, and it's pretty cool to see what their objectives are and how they're doing it. They're not. They're they're there building new restaurants to uh, out of passion. Um, it's one of the <clears throat> hallmarks of the Portland food world is no one is doing it to whether they do or they don't, but no one is doing it to make a lot of money. They're doing it for other reasons. And John and Renee have a lot of passion for what they do. And uh, I don't think you could, I'm sure anybody could argue this, but all the service at, um, at their restaurants, which would be MEC, Toro Bravo, Tasty and Sons, uh, help me out here, Pollo Bravo, mm-hmm. Shalom Y'all, Bless, bless your and, heart, burgers. Yes, that was the next one that was coming. So, what did she say? How many did she say they have now? Nine or eleven? I believe, somewhere around there, yeah. A lot. You know, if you listen, that's our teaser. Listen, and you'll hear. There we go. But um, but but the service at all of them is fantastic, and the food is great, and uh, they do a great job. So they're growing. They have their challenges, and uh, also I enjoyed hearing about their dreams. And where they what where they'd like to take their lives at some point. Mm-hmm. So um, I think other people would enjoy that too. Hey Chris, before we get to that interview, though, quick question though: Do you still have room on uh, on your trips to Europe this this fall? Yeah, you want to come to Barcelona with us, Court? I kind of do. <laughs> well, we'll make that happen. But we do have uh, we do have a little room. It's kind of late. We're what? six weeks away from yeah. going to Barcelona with Jose. You go to PortlandFoodAdventures.com. We have, we have tightened up the itinerary now. Um, it's awesome. We have a real small, intimate group of people coming. We'd love to add you to it, and I will do my best to make that happen if anybody wants to call and talk to me about the trip. I'm going to throw a phone number out there. Okay. 503-208-4290. That's 503-208-4290. Four two nine zero. I will be happy to discuss the way to put them in a airplane seat to Barcelona on September eighteenth. I was about to say operators are standing by, but it's quite literally uh, Chris that will you'll answer the phone. Yeah, you can call me an operator if you want. Very nice. Okay, so now now we get to go to the interview with Renee. Right at the fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans, on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Hospitality Group. Owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape. And Ringside Fish House, in the heart of downtown, boasts the freshest seafood and an exceptional wine list. Both serve the world-famous onion rings that James Beard claimed to be the best he's ever had. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com and make a reservation today. Join right at the Fork Coast, Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. 
See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact information there too. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. And make sure to check in on local PFA events. And by San Pellegrino, iconic, fresh, Sparkling water with extraordinary Italian heritage is a refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its founding in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, I thought it'd be fun. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Thanks. You know, you're a, you are a key cog in the Portland food world, right? <laughs> I suppose. I for never me- thought I'd be in this chair, but well, yeah. Well, that's what we want to talk about. Yeah. But we got to come up with a better term, though, than key cog. <laughs> key cog. That's that's uh, something you know. It's not that it's not flattering. It's just. Well, then, what would you suggest? I don't. I'm. I'm trying to think here. Give me a moment, and I'll think about it. Okay. Come back. So, what but, you do is just jump in in the middle of anything, right in the middle of a, <laughs> whatever we're talking about. Just jump in because you had the idea. Sure. Okay. All right. Good. I'll ring a bell or something. I like to think of myself as a behind-the-scenes player. I don't think you are. But you are a key cog. I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a cog anyway? Isn't it's something to do with gears, right? Without the without the without the cog, nothing moves. Exactly. There you go. So when when I you know whenever any slight little need or crisis comes up where Uh I need something cool, I I run to you. So (laughs) and you take care of it. It's all it's all handled. I try. Everything's just a quick email away. Yeah. So okay. Well, that's a good. That's a nice start. Yeah. Email versus text versus phone. I, lately, this is these have been issues for me. Well, nobody wants to talk on the phone anymore. I know, but don't you think things get done faster on the phone? Well, yeah, there's definitely some efficiency there. Yes, I had a a, a family lawyer who every time I would write him an email about an issue, he happened to be an employment attorney, so I chatted with him from time to time, and he would respond with the same thing with any email. It was, "Please call me about this." Well, because that's old school. Then there's yes, that's uh, first of all. The first question is how old is he, and secondly, you know how does he? How do you do billable time as an attorney when you're texting a little bit here and there? Well, that's why you got to have a lot of family friends who are attorneys. Yeah, well, that's you true. Know. Then maybe it's not all billable. <laughs> who knows? But I understand that. But it is. I think it's an age thing, and I'm thinking it's forty plus people who are I, okay with the phone. I would agree with that. Yeah, my my fourteen year old doesn't even have any phone etiquette at all. Like right. sometimes I'll call her, I'm picking her up, I'm driving, I can't text her and she'll never pick up the phone. And if she does, she says, hi. And I'm like, how about hello? How's it going? Yeah, no, like there's no, you know, there's no etiquette involved anymore because they just don't, they don't talk on the phone. No. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting how it's evolved. But for me, a lot of it is I don't want two hands to be, taken all the time well, with we're, texting. we're all locked to our phones at yeah. every moment and i think that it's like a requirement of doing business or just living in this day of age especially when you know my work pool yeah you have to is have a like lot. 25 and under you know like setting up an interview with somebody you call their voicemail is not set up 
My manager from MEC asked me, is it okay to text somebody to set up an interview? Or to fire them. (laughs) Someone was just talking about that the other day. Can you fire by text? No, I think that's really bad form. Right. Yeah. If it's not face-to-face, then it should at least be a phone call. But I mean, I've never fired somebody over the phone. I like to think of that as uh, promoting them to guest. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. But then you may not want them as a guest at that point. Hopefully our team hasn't let things go so far south that yeah. I don't want to welcome them back in any capacity. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, hospitality is everything. So if you got to let somebody go, it's best to promote them to guests. Well, true. That's a great way of looking at it. And it's also a small world in the Portland food Portland world. Portland is so, a very small So if world. they're not welcome in your restaurant, chances are they're probably not going to be welcome a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, we'll let them make their own bed there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um You've got a lot. So speaking of being in touch and mm-hmm. and having a lot of employees under mm-hmm. a certain age, you got a lot of them now because you've got how many restaurants? Seven, seven restaurants? Nine restaurants. Nine. See, I can't even keep up with it. That's I can't. Sometimes I have to count on my fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, technically, we have eight restaurants and then Plaza del Toro, which is our gastronomic society event space. That's that's a fairly complicated restaurant too. It It, it is and it isn't. It's, it's great because it's totally controlled. I know how many people are coming. I know what, you know, the event details are. There's no question marks when you're planning events. But, Except um, for how many people are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just there's that, always a window. That little issue. Yeah. There's always a window. It's a great space though. We, um, you know, we really made it kind of the community center for our restaurant group. It's a, it's a, you know, culinary think tank, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it was when it first came about, it was something I'd never heard of. It was a little different. Now you have the Nightwood Society. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to put, you know, I'm on the same plane and doing the exact same thing. Everybody's doing something different, but, you know, there's an event space where they're trying yeah. to do different things. Yeah. And much like you, over time, they'll find their footing on what works best. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is, I'm sure... What you had in mind for Plaza del Toro in 2015 or 16? Uh, 16. 16 is probably not what it looks like now or close. No, I mean, everything evolves and grows and kind of grows up and changes. And when we opened Plaza, it was modeled after the Gastronomic Societies of San Sebastian. And it was really, you know, it was a private dining room for all of our restaurants. But it's very much turned into a space that we kind of create menu items, we test recipes, we try to kind of push the culinary arts forward there. Yeah, and you've got a lot of events, too. We have a lot of events. So three years ago, there weren't as many events, and now all of a sudden, you're in the middle of this event world. Yeah. Um, You know, from your versus dinners Mm -hmm. from, you've got uh, really cool, you've got dim sum. Dim Dim sum tapas. Yeah, dim sum everything, right? (laughs) So you got those going on right to La Ruta last year, Mm -hmm. which was a, you know, three day, two or three day? How many days Uh, was that? It was a four day. Four day festival. Festival with 17 events in four days. Yeah, and you pulled that off. It it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Right, I'm sure. (laughs) And I I remember at the time Carrie looked a little, uh, Carrie looked a little harried. Carrie was a little frazzled, um, but you know what? We, <laughs> but she, but we you were all handled frazzled. It professionally, you wouldn't have known. Yeah, I just know you a little close, you know. No, and I was watching a little behind the scenes. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but we pulled it off. You know, it was 
totally our style to aim big and then deliver. I hope we did. I think we I did. thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was very cool. You got you. Uh, you always deliver. I mean, one of the one of the hallmarks of um, what I see about what you guys do mm-hmm. is, first of all, when you open a restaurant, it's open and it's ready to go yeah. the day you say it's ready to go. That doesn't always happen. There's a lot of movement well, in those things. There's a fast revolution that happens with the new restaurant. Shalomial is a great uh, example of that. We just opened our second Shalomial uh, location, and it's been a slower build. You know, I think people's expectations when you're a part of a restaurant group and, you know, they, they've they been to other places, they have a, a expectation of service and food and quality, and we deliver that across the board. But, you know, we opened Shalomial and there wasn't a huge line out the door for the first time. There's just so many restaurants in Portland and the location has a lot to do with that. But the, the food is phenomenal. They're, you know, they're hitting every point. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one kind of come to its full potential. Well, not that I have answers for anything, but it wasn't the first time anybody had exposure to Shalomio. Exactly. It, it wasn't like, oh, this is something brand new from, from this yeah, restaurant group. Yeah, so. it, wasn't a, it wasn't a disruptor necessarily because we have our first Shalomio location, which moved from the Pine Street Market initially up to the space across the street from Tasty and Alder. It was a teeny tiny little space. And then we took over the Taylor Rail workspace, um, uh, which happens to be right next door to Plaza del Toro, as well as our headquarters office. And, um, you know, people also were looking for the exact same experience they got at the, the original Shalom and even the Shalom in Pine Street Market, because that concept really did evolve more than, than most of our others. It's interesting how um, it's almost... Uh it's just work in progress. It's like you have you you're testing something, and it's okay for you to evolve and say, "All right, well, this isn't going to work here, but this might work here." And I think it's kind of part of the process, and it's interesting to watch. It's like well, watching the development of a, a baseball pitcher through the minor leagues. This is what's <laughs> going to happen with this space. This is yep. the best thing, best use of it. Well, and it's interesting because we do have that kind of set expectation within our group, and so. We were recently reviewed, which is always awesome. All all press is good press. But basically, we're our own competition. And so the review essentially said, well, from this group, I expected more. But I want to know if we weren't a part of the group. Are you talking about, should we address yeah, it specifically? It. Maddie's, yeah. Maddie's And I love review. Maddie. I think he's great. And I'm happy to see him. Uh, here's the thing. The if you read that review, it was great. it's really a great review. It's Willamette Week, which did their thing, which is to pull the negative out, stick it in the headline so yep. they can get clicks. And that's and, that's what their reputation entails, and I expected nothing less. I was really pleased with the review, and I'm pleased with what we're doing at Shalomiel. Yeah, it was a great—when It was uh, when I first saw the headline, I'm oh, I thought, oh, Maddie, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And then— and then well, I, I don't even know if it was his title. Well, that's what I mean. So I, yeah, so then I read the review, and I said, oh, this was— his review was just, you know, what you would expect. And I think yeah. it was a fine review and he's a great writer. Mm-hmm. And then I just realized, well, he probably wasn't responsible for the headline. That's well, all. Well, and it, I think there's truth in every review, good or bad. Um, and it would be disingenuous to only have wonderful things to say. Yeah. You know, I yeah. can't go to a restaurant and have 100% positive things. I'm, I've kind of got this Larry Davidish reputation for feeling like I have to write an owner to say, do you know this? 
And I want all of that feedback. Yeah. Well, I don't do, I don't, I don't think, but I was just somewhere last night where I was like, and, and I'm now erring on the side of, no, I don't feel like doing this no. anymore. So uh, being this person, but, um, but it's good to get feedback I when love you the don't feedback. know what's going on. You can't be in all nine restaurants at one time and know what's going on. No, but I get a daily recap from every service. So my, my inbox is like a Minecraft, like war zone. Um, but I do, I get a, a recap of every service from every manager. And I, I do get to know what's going on. I stay completely connected to my service team, the kitchen. I mean, everything as far as maintenance requests. My template in my manager log, it, it goes down a list. It's almost like manager training because they have to fill it out. I mean, I ask questions like, did you check all the light bulbs? How do the flowers look? Are the bathroom walls wiped down? Is the cake plate clean? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's not a detail that's overlooked. And if something's falling through the cracks, I actually do know about it. So what incentive does a manager have to send you a report on service, for mm-hmm. instance, that falls short because that makes them look, why wouldn't they cover that up to well, send you that? Because we create a, an environment of hospitality and that goes from me and John and the upper management team, you know, to those who are actually on the ground running the show. And I tell all my people, it's okay to swear, right? Yeah. Okay. I tell all my people, the only thing I expect is for you to fuck up. And what makes us better is the way that we're going to address it and fix it and, and avoid it ever happening again. I think you can, I think you can, you can have problems if you address them properly. Yeah. That's better than not even having the problem. Well, and adults don't get place. in trouble. You know, I think people come with this kind of fear that I'm going to get in trouble if I do something wrong. All our managers in our restaurants actually take a section and they're very much a part of the, the service team. And that creates a lot of camaraderie and a lot of harmony in service. And, and it's that philosophy that allows them or encourages them to share whatever went south with me because if I don't hear it from them I'm gonna I'm gonna get an email from the guest who thought our $25 corkage was absolutely insane so there's nothing too small that can go in that log and that's a, a really important communication tool for us and you can't please all the people all the time anyway I mean, especially yeah. you have nine restaurants man so you have to have things coming at you that are ridiculous oh. and you have to respond in a um, very tactful manner yeah, All the, time. The, the art of saying yes when you're really saying no, mm. it's a beautiful thing. I, I practice positivity in every part of my life. And when did you learn that? So let's start going backwards a okay. little bit because before you met John and mm-hmm. before you were involved in Toro Bravo, what are we calling it these days? Toro Tor- Bravo? Tor- Bravo Inc. Yeah, Toro Bravo Inc. Um, You'd still been in. You'd still been on the service side, just elsewhere. Oh yeah. So I mean, I started and, working in this industry when I was thirteen. Doing what? Uh, one of my first jobs was scooping ice cream at the state fair um, with a farmer who lived down the street from me. They made ice cream and fudge. They had a shop down at Saturday Market, and then they do the, the the fairs. And I got a job at a place called Chicksabob. Um, that was owned by the people that own, um, uh, the Helvetia Tavern mm-hmm. and, uh, my sister worked there, my older sister. So that was my kind of second, you know, So did you grow up out that way? I did. Yeah. I grew up on, uh, what my, what my 
clan would call Freak Mountain. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that, Court, is that anywhere close to where you are? Or? <laughs> I'm on, no, I'm on Bull Mountain. Yeah, no, I know you're on Bull Mountain. <laughs> Freak Mountain. So, Freak Mountain. So, it, but has it become Freak Mountain? We've been watching that's you. That's a little, a little personal there, Chris. You, you have to watch Court's uh, crib tour that okay. he's doing on Instagram. Unfortunately, when this comes out, it like, will be. Like cribs, no, are you like, saving like MTV I'm, cribs? Y- yeah. Exactly. Cool. No, I, actually, if you go to my profile, it'll it's right there on the, you can save it if it's part of your, right, so right. it's tabbed so right there. Saving I'm those. keeping them all right there. They're great. Hashtag Crib Tour. He's doing a crib tour. It's somewhere. It's. I like he's this. Just got, yeah, he's, we just bought a new house, so maybe you should come up to ours. It's amazingly underwhelming, so I don't know if you want me doing that or not. <laughs> no, it's that's what's fun about it. It's uh, it's Court talking about basically how much space he gets in his house yeah. versus his wife, and yeah. so well, t- yeah. wait until you have kids. Oh, I yeah, do. Well, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the sole. I'm the. It's me and my dog. We're the only males in the house. Well, it's me and my daughter's hundreds of My Little Ponies at my house. Yeah. It's I went through that. Yeah. You mentioned the Minecraft, though. Sounds like the Minecraft. Well, my older daughter. Uh, oh, my daughters are 14. into it, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of moved on. Now I just think she looks at Pinterest for like eight hours oh, a day. Sure. Yeah. I, I, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing on your phone for eight hours? But, you know, it's summer break. What are you going to do? It's entirely possible. What were you doing at 14 other than scooping ice cream at the town fair? But what well, were you into at that age? Oh, God. I mean, honestly... I dropped out of high school, and I was not the greatest kid daughter. Uh, my priority was to get the fuck off Freak Mountain, and so I actually moved out at 15, started working at 14. That's early. Uh, it, it, That's scary. I look at my kids now, and I'm like, oh, my God. What, I did this. What, what was I thinking? And I did this to my parents, But too. I was a stubborn bull wow. from the get-go. Um, out of the house out of the house series of bad relationships kind of school of hard knocks but i was a survivor and i learned to support myself from a very young age and you know most kids go through a, a period of rebellion sometimes around that age sometimes a little older my rebellion was i'm going to get a job and pay taxes because i came from this kind of hippie community up on skyline that i you know referred to as freak mountain there was a band called the Freak Mountain Ramblers. They still play around town. And, uh, you know, it, it was a hippie community all about living off the grid, you know, living off your land. I grew up in a house without running water, without electricity for the first couple of years. It was, um, it, you know, when people say, do you want to go camping? I'm like, no, I did that for quite a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. But, you know, that kind of, sense of being an outsider and that that uh, ability to survive I think has suited me well and I wouldn't change a thing another great opportunity right here Chris to talk about one of our favorite places to go Ringside Steakhouse or Ringside Fish House part of the Ringside Hospitality Group yeah and great hospitality by the way oh man you don't get better service anywhere I you, found you don't I took my mother-in-law to uh, dinner at the Fish House uh, for her birthday i'm not going to tell you how old she is because i'm a good son-in-law uh but she had she told me afterward it was the best birthday dinner she's ever had in her life wow so there are a few because we know she's older than you are yes yes we know that for a fact (laughs) and uh they just i mean they i I booked the reservations and they asked in the reservations if it was a special occasion and i i just marked birthday Mm -hmm. when we got there there was a card to my mother-in-law, signatures from everybody on staff that day. Wow. Special touch like that. That's Who really does that? nice. Ringside.
Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I have to do that. We had my birthday there. I didn't get that, but, did, but you we might, got some pretty cool You probably things. didn't. Did you mention? Oh, yeah, we did get some special things. <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got onion rings, which is what we yeah, got. Yeah, if you haven't had the onion rings at, at ringside, it's pretty special. Yeah. Either one. You can get them at both, either one. both locations. Yes. So... Happy hour menu, which is always great uh, at the at the fish house. You and I have enjoyed that together, right? And and uh, and then uh, dollar oyster Mondays, D O M. I was yeah. trying to come up with that. Um, that's pretty great, and you can mix that in with happy hour on Mondays too. And yeah. then Sundays all day, happy hour. Which is pretty sweet. At the Steakhouse on Monday nights, you get the special deal on the uh, prime rib, which is yeah, thirty five bucks for prime rib and. I suggest a little upgrade to the lobster mashed potatoes on that. I, I introduced my mother-in-law to the lobster mashed potatoes, which is available you're, at both locations. You're a great son. Oh man, it's it's like it's life changing. All you need to know uh, as an as a son-in-law is ringside, and you're set. So true, so true. <laughs> so uh, that I've been going lately and getting also the king crab legs. Oh I yeah, love those. You, it's just you, easy. Uh, you shared that with me the other day. It was yeah, nice. they were great. So you um, mentioned the oysters a little bit ago. They've got this oyster shuck off coming up in August. Uh, actually, August 1st from 4 to 6. What do you know about this? I don't know anything yet. I've been to shuck-offs before, and they're really fun. Uh, okay. At, and I don't know if it's going to be the same at this, but there there will be oysters available. I think it's only a $7 admission in advance. Yeah, I'm, that's what it looks the, like. 10, 10. It's from 4 to 6 on August 1st, and it's, uh, it's kind of fun. It's going to be Ringside Fish House versus... Headwaters versus who's the other one? South Park. South Park, yes, of course. Yeah, um, three great places to get oysters. Right. Who will shuck the best? And they're all going to be they're all going to be shucking in Directors Park on yeah. August first. So, so check that out. Certainly, you can also make your reservations. Take your mother-in-law to the uh, ringside of your choice at their websites: ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com. Did you ever go back to high school? I never went back to high school. Because you strike me, I've seen you, and I've told you this um, as a as a host. Can we call? Can we use the word hostess any longer? I don't know. I think hostess has a, a sexual orientation connotation, G- like a gender. gender yeah, like a hostess is a female. Right. I think it's really interesting when um, people refer to themselves as waitresses. I think waitresses work in diners. Servers but work in restaurants. A lot of those terms were there for years, so they're hard yeah. to. They're hard. That's why I ask. I'm tr- just. Well, I'm trying and, to evolve. And in and, this environment and kind of the, the sensitivity needed right. to be in business today and just be a good person today. Like, you know, I tell my staff all the time, we talk about verbiage a lot. And so I used to suggest people were greeted with the, you know, welcome gentlemen, welcome ladies. And now it's just welcome. Right. Because you never know how people identify and you have to be acutely aware of creating a positive space, whether it's for your guests, for your staff, um, kind of for your public persona. Very innocuous. It has to be, Yeah. you know. Well, nothing, my favorite word is down. welcome. Yeah, you know, well, you can't, it's, hi guys, no. Yeah, welcome. guys is a problem. I, I find that I to be, that. yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah. Even if you're talking or, to a bunch of guys. Man, I got to tell you, and I've heard it a lot, boss yeah. and chief and, mm-hmm. and uh, what else? It It's, I don't like to consider myself old, but they just bother me. It's yeah. like, I don't want my server to call me boss. I'm less not, is more. Yeah, less is more. But what I was going to say, which is kind of an interesting thing, as I've watched you over the years mm-hmm. host um, events and yep. things and get up in front of large groups of people. It's something that I've done too, and mm-hmm. I've had to evolve and learn. 
Um, but you handle yourself so well, and yes. it makes me wonder now that you say you didn't get a, you didn't graduate high school, yeah. how valuable a high school education is because your you know your grammar is fine, everything's wonderful, yeah. and you handle yourself very well. So you learned in the school of hard knocks uh, and in on the job. Yeah, but. That involves, you're talking about language now, and you mm -hmm. have to think about that as the one mm -hmm. who's guiding a lot of people yep. how to use language. And um, Well, and I'll, I'll preface my answer with everyone stay in school. I should have. I wish I would have. Yeah, no, we're not <laughs> I'm not in, no one's endorsing. Yeah. That you. Um, but for me, I just found You had no running for. water. You had to leave. I mean, yeah. I do like a hot shower. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm a Taurus. I like fine things. Oh, a Taurus also. What's what's your uh, birthday? Uh, April 21st. Oh, we're a week away from each okay. other. Okay. Yeah. You could. T I could. Tell. You know, go figure. I'm a Taurus. I'm married a bull. I oh. reference the bull ring a lot. Right. You know, kind of this whole bull theme is very. Um, it's in my life everywhere. So. I found you need a to lot. move to Bull Mountain. You move. You you missed the boat. <laughs> Court, it's a great place to live. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I went to courts recently. It's beautiful over there. So we're um, we're just about to move up to the Southwest Hills. I got a a little one point three piece of land, one point three acres. acres, and there's something so peaceful about having some woods. Like mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been in Northeast for years and years, and it's like the birds are always chirping and it's just, it's a different kind of piece. It reminds me of where I grew up, mm -hmm. but I can drive to downtown in 10 minutes. And it's, yep. And it's a good thing to have the ability to just listen to birds and, yes. and know that I think not seeing any other life or yeah. human life yeah. is really nice. I do that too. Well, and I've always so had, much. I generally always had that scenario when I lived. So I've never lived yeah. close in Portland. I've been here 13 years. And I've always been somewhere else because mm -hmm. I like the space. It's funny. I always thought as a, in my younger life that I would move to like a quote unquote real city. Like I'm going to move to New York or move to LA or San Francisco or Chicago. These great food cities. And I always compared everywhere I visited to Portland. Um, and then of course I met John and you know, now I have two kids and 300 employees and nine restaurants. Clearly, I'm not moving You're not anywhere. You're not going anywhere. But I it had this kind of thirst for an urban city environment. And as I've seen Portland kind of barely survive its adolescent years, as I would say, becoming a really true big city, um, I do long for that peace that the forest brings. Well, um, good. So you... Yeah. You, have you moved in yet, or are you just about to move in? No, we bought a really big project, which will keep my husband happy because he needs something to do, like, actively. Oh, like he doesn't have moment. enough? Yeah, no, but he loves to remodel and build things and, and create spaces. So we bought a, a, a project, and we're doing a lot before we move in, um, and then we'll be remodeling for the next 10 years. Yeah. And then maybe we'll sell it and move yeah, to the Yeah, and beach. then that's, that's generally the... <laughs> Once you're done, yeah. if someone who needs projects, then you just yeah. can't live in it. Well, and I think with everything John's been through this year and our family's been through, having a, a calm space is going to be really good for our family. So was that part of the equation in looking for a new place, uh, John's challenges that have been going on? And yeah. what, you know, not everybody's familiar with that. Yeah, why don't let's you, talk about it. Why don't you talk a little bit about what has occurred and what you've been through oh, uh, over the last it's, year? 
it's something I never thought I would even be close to or, but you never know. I mean, shit happens to everyone. So last November, John thought he had maybe had a stroke. He got super dizzy and we couldn't figure it out. And we went to the hospital and actually we went to Zoom care. Um, he'd been sick for a couple of days. He felt like the room was just jagged and he was ultimately, um, diagnosed with a lesion. You know, I kind of pushed for every test possible, um, including a CAT scan of his brain because some nurse said, oh, is it possible you had a stroke? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? I have no idea if my husband had a stroke. Um, So they got him a CAT scan and they found a lesion on his right frontal lobe. Um, This was right over Thanksgiving. Meanwhile, I had to learn how to uh, roast a pig in the, the it's called a china box because <laughs> we had 25 people coming to our house and John was stuck in the hospital. They still came to the house. And of course, John being John said, go home, take care of these people. Um, anyway, long story short, he was diagnosed with a, a glioma, which is brain cancer. Um, this is something that feels so surreal, even after brain surgery and all of, you know, the tests and MRIs and all of these things, um, to even have this conversation still seems so surreal. So he was diagnosed with stage two glioma. He had a tumor in his right frontal lobe. And in February, we had that removed. Um, We were really lucky to be up at OHSU where they see every kind of person as an individual and not a statistic. Um, After being with the Oregon Clinic, who saw things a little bit differently they said okay you're over 40 you have this tumor next step is is chemo and radiation at that point we switched to ohsu he was seen as a you know a person and not a case and so the end result after the pathology was that he didn't need chemo and radiation um, which i was really happy about he was more freaked out about the surgery than going through the treatment i was actually more freaked out about the treatment um so he just had his, his first MRI post-surgery. Uh, it was clean. But we also, at that time, got our, our first kind of official pathology result. There was a lot of questions as to how advanced this was. Was it stage one? Was it stage two? Was it glioatypical cells? Meanwhile, I'm reading everything there is online that'll right. just scare the shit out of you. A year ago, you knew nothing about any of this nope. and couldn't and have a discussion. And why would I want to? Right. Um, but you know, when you have a medical kind of trauma like this, it disrupts your entire life, makes you question your mortality. You know, there was days before the surgery where he said, maybe I just won't do anything at all. Maybe I'll just run away to a beach. Maybe I'll, you know, I'm like, well, you have kids and we have a life and that's not an option. And my position was always just hope for the best have blind faith and John doesn't necessarily see things the same way I do after surgery depression and anxiety is a very expected result um but it's real it's 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 no joke and so it's really thrown a huge hurdle into our lives um and before this um 
How would you describe John in terms of dealing with anxiety? And had he had any bouts of depression before? He was that? like always the life of the party. There was yeah, no anxiety. A- depression wasn't a word in his vocabulary. He was just like. And he's got a creator in every way. He's got, you know, guts too. I mean, opened a lot of businesses and, you know, and really paved the way for a lot of people and did some things that haven't been done before. You know, I used to see John as having almost like reckless bravery where he's like, this is what I'm doing. We're going to push forward. You know, he has a vision. He has a lot of courage and, it's very admirable and inspiring. Um, and even through this, I mean, we opened Shalom Y'all right before he had surgery. We opened Bless Your Heart Burgers out in McMinnville um, right after his surgery. And he, we keep planning things as if this never happened. Um, but the reality is with this firm diagnosis that even though we removed the tumor successfully, it was a complete recession, stage two glioma will likely come back within 10 years. Mm. And so that's a really hard pill to swallow. And of course you go, you're not a statistic. You can't count on anything. Nothing's a hundred percent. And and strong people beat things. Strong people beat things. I think the power of the mind is great. Mm-hmm. So we've actually joined the, um, uh, the American Brain Tumor Society. There's going to be a big walk on August 5th, a Northwest Brain Tumor Walk. We've created a team, Team Toro. Um, you can sign up on our website. Uh, if you want to join us to walk around the Moda Center um, to raise money for brain tumor research and awareness, I mean, it, it, it might save John's life one day. Wow. Yeah, join us. So, And you seem like you've been holding up well. I, I would think it's one thing for John to mm-hmm. go through this. It's another thing for you know, for you yeah. to go through. How, have you... Uh... Steady as she goes, man. I mean, what else can you do? I think there's some people that in a, like in an emergency situation or a time of trauma that just kind of fall apart. And I'm the kind of person that goes, we're going to figure it out. Let's keep going. You know, when this happened, John was like, I'm going to create my team like a project manager. I know nothing about this. I got to create my team of everybody who knows more than I do. And we're just going to figure it out. Um, he tends to cry in the morning and I tend to cry at night because we all deal with stress in different ways. Um, it's, it would be easy to let it kind of consume your whole life with fear. But really, even though he, he kind of thinks he's walking around with this 10 year, you know, time clock on his head. I could get hit by a bus when I walk out this door. Like, we're all in the same boat. Life is fragile. Live it to your fullest. Take it on every day. Do what you love and what makes you happy. And I don't know, maybe we'll retire in five years instead of 10 because we're going to live on a beach together one day. That's a good goal. Um, so I would assu- I'm going to guess that one of the things that attracted you to each other is mm-hmm. your fortitude. Both You both possess it. Like you're not mm-hmm. wilting, he's not wilting, nope. and you had to see that in each other years yeah. ago. How did you two meet? Well, the long story or the short story? Whichever one you want to tell. Either one you want to go with. Well, I first met John at M Bar on 21st Avenue when I was about 22. 
was working at Paley's place, and John's ex-wife was my um, manager. Uh, after that, I started working at Toro Bravo. And at the time, yeah. was not his ex-wife yet. You know, that's, that's, that's part of the story. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> um, But, you know, life happens, and, and marriages end, and things fall apart. And um, I started, after I was at Paley's for about five years, I started at Toro Bravo um, after just the, you know, two days of being open. So I was almost there since the beginning, and I was asked to be their floor manager. Um, about a year in, we, um, John and Courtney's relationship kind of fell apart, and after two more years of kind of battling to stay away from each other, we decided that there, there wasn't an option then to make this work. Well, that's, that's nice to look at it that way, that yeah. there is no option. Yeah, no, I couldn't leave him if I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a really incredible person and inspires me every day. He's gone through more than most people would be able to handle this year, and he's still, you know, planning his trips and hosting events, and, you know, he's always ready to open the next restaurant and, you know, at the same time going, okay, how can we slow down? How do we figure this out? Right, but he is a little bit... Uh, I know when I sat with him a couple of months ago, he mm-hmm. was saying, "I just daily, I can't, I can't do what I did daily." But I think in the larger scheme of things, he's still, yeah, he's still got those goals. He's well, just, he, he's a, he, you know, he's worked so hard to create this team of people to run this, what people love to call an empire. We hate that word, but you know, we. I've tried to find another word for it too, because it's it's yeah. too, it's yeah. It, you know, empire it sounds be. a little cocky. But it, well, it plus is. in it's this world, in this world, this year, yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, you don't want to be an empire. Yeah. Oh God, let's not talk about politics. Um, no, but you know, after his surgery, and he was supposed to take like six weeks off. He took two. He came back. He says he doesn't even remember really anything from those first couple months. And um, he's created a team of people around him who can make it happen and they're doing an incredible job. We're so grateful to have the people that we, that we work with. You have a lot of loyal people. I think they're, I don't, I don't, uh, if I look back and what I know about your chefs and I don't know, obviously all of everyone in the staff on on your staffs, but the chefs stay around, you know, quite a long time and they're treated well, you know, they get equity. At yeah. some point. And that's our I, whole business model is to kind of bring people up from the inside and then bring them up to, you know, chef, manager, and eventually partner. Yeah, when I first met John, it was right when Tasty and Sons was opening. Mm-hmm. So restaurant number two. Yeah, I remember and his, his And, you know, I didn't know much about the restaurant business or, or models, right? So i known a few people who've run restaurants, but not really had a... Ch- I didn't, at the time, have a chance to talk to someone. And I was... So impressed that his reason for doing that, because I come from the East Coast, his mm-hmm. reason for opening Tasty and Sons was not because, oh, we can double our money, right? We can make twice as much money. Toro Bravo's got lines out the door. Let's do that again. It was to have a place for employees to grow. Yeah. And that has they been... They have to graduate. Right. And they've graduated into uh, eight other restaurants mm-hmm. along the way. Pro- uh, more. You've opened some and closed a couple too. Well, so. I, let's be honest. Nobody comes into the restaurant industry because they want to make money. So we can just check that box. Right. It's all but, we have, a, but people have to survive now. And that's, yeah. that's and a big a issue. it is a business. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that could be a whole other like, 
topic for another podcast, like hospitality, you know, what we do is sell food and drink. But like I said, that's another, that's another podcast. But yeah, you know, we want to foster that educational growth of everybody that works with us and, and let them find their passion for this craft in this industry. And so to give them a real opportunity to move up the ladder and sometimes that means out of their location into another um, and eventually into an ownership position like Casey Mills was our sous chef at Toro Bravo um, from the beginning. He was, you know, side by side with John behind the stoves for seven years, kept it going. And now he's our, our partner and executive chef of Mediterranean Exploration Company. Um, Shalom, y'all, both locations and Bless Your Heart Burger. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, now he, he's I- he's growing his own little empire. Is it, you think he's not going to peel himself off? He can't. No. Because locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. <laughs> well, that's great. And, you know, those are some of some impressive restaurants. You yeah. know, MEC has become moved right up into my list of possibilities when someone's coming to town. Yeah. And if they place. only have one or two nights, you know, I, you would not have thought. Oh, MEC, and now mm-hmm. it's up there. Like, if you go there and get the tasting menu at MEC, amazing. It's a fun experience. I'm a, not supposed to say that one. That's all right. We're, we're giving you. <laughs> Court said it once. I paid so attention. Get, I paid attention. So we get, uh, and I say it sometimes. Did I say it? You, you said amazingly oh. somewhere along the way. Well, I don't think that Which, was in the in the email. So. I'll ask you about why we're not supposed to say that word later. <laughs> Because I know you can. Well, we, I don't mind having this conversation every once in a while on the podcast because yeah. not everybody knows. Yeah. So it was a thought a couple of years ago when, and I, I remember a couple of guests in a row must have said the word "amazing" thirty times in the span of an hour, <laughs> and I, it just struck me at that moment like, yeah. is there, there has to be another word, yeah. and then. Louis C.K. did a routine on it. You know, everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. Oh, my God, I remember that. Right. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, well, let's do a fun thing. Let's not allow the word. Yeah. Let's let's tell every guest they have to come up with other words. And, of course, not everybody can remember. And, not a, and, and it's so entrenched <laughs> in our, our vocabulary yeah. that it's almost impossible not to do. But I thought, let's have that fun. Let's make people work around it. Yeah. And secondly... I thought it was kind of an interesting marketing idea so that uh-huh. if people are aware of this and they listen to the podcast, every time they use or hear the word amazing, I'm hoping they think of the podcast. They're going to go, ooh. Right. But the, but they're aware of it. And so and also awesome. The, mm-hmm. Those, who was it that mistake, who, who, uh, oh, it was uh, Eric, Eric Russ. Yes. He no. thought it was awesome after the fact. No, it was amazing, but awesome. Is overused too. So that's your quick answer. I love and that. Verbiage is so important. You know, like the way people speak about, like, for example, what we sell. You know, we sell a variety of food and cuisines and wines and spirits. And I train our staff to never over endorse a product. Your personal preference, whether you, it's your favorite totally irrelevant people just need the information tell me about the dish well but a lot of times they'll say i do it what do you think's better that's you know fair. when you're on the fence you just want yeah. some uh, some yeah. and i never know whether you know they've yeah. what their palate is so i don't know but it's just nice to hear what i and i remember hearing this at mec is that uh the response and i've heard it other places mm-hmm. is well 
this seems to be pretty popular. People like this. Exactly. And so... Yeah, um, my personal that, preference is this, but this is a very popular menu item. Let or, me tell you a little uh, bit about it. And you never know whether something you, you've got a surplus of something too, so that needs to be that all of a okay. sudden becomes the popular. We serve like twenty five hundred people a day. Yeah, in so our group. we yeah, don't have no, much surplus nothing, of anything. There's, yeah, there's not a, a list of stuff in the in your kitchens of what needs no. to be pushed. No. So, uh, so let me ask you this: Why? Do I get annoyed at when people say, how's that tasting so far? Oh, that's a great question. Personally, I don't think that fishing for a compliment is an appropriate way to check in on your guests. Mm -hmm. I think, um, is everything to your liking or is everything to your taste is a very appropriate way to check in. If somebody's saying, how's that tasting so far? Does that mean it's going to taste better after a couple more bites? I wanted you to say it. That's why it was a... Did it taste better before I ate? Like, Is it going to get worse from here on in? It's like saying this is on the house. Well, nothing's on top of my house. In fact, we're not in a house. (laughs) I'm building. Like, you know, formal um, grammar is an important base of, of service. And almost everything you do, words... Words are the things that cause wars, yep. and they're the, the things that cause divorces. How <laughs> things were put. How many fights have couples had because someone just worded something, and they could have worded it differently, and they didn't word it the right way. Yep. And well, the same thing in the service industry, yep. I think. But and in the service industry, it's a little easier mm-hmm. because. You've got a textbook. You don't, in relationships, you don't have that textbook necessarily. In this situation, say this, but it's pretty simple. How much did you learn from Kimberly Paley? How, how, what did you take away from Paley's place? So much. I mean, she used to call me her little lotus. Hi, Kimberly, if you're listening. Um, I value my time and her mentorship more than, more than that of my mother. Like she was very, very influential in my training um, and in my kind of position in the restaurant industry in Portland, for sure. She's an amazing mentor. So, and you two, um, the Paleys and the Gorhams are, you know, doing some pretty significant things. Yeah. Do you get together with them at all? Do you? Do you, you know, I them? see them out from time to time. I actually, I was just at... Um, um, headwaters before I came in for a cup of chowder. It was delicious. Thank you. It is very um, good over there. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for what those guys are doing. I think the Russian tea service is so cool. Um, they're in Istanbul right now, actually, and I just Facebook uh, veto today. I said, "Hey, I'm going to be there for four days in October. You tell me where to go." <laughs> it looks like deeds. he's going to have a nice itinerary for you because yeah. He's been doing pretty well. Did you see that hummus with the gorgeous with the, with with the, the rainbow of? I was like, "What is this pride hummus? I love this." That was uh, that was, you <laughs> know, it, you've got to be doing something pretty special if you're if Vito is, you know, completely impressed. You know, he's yeah. you're blowing Vitaly Paley away. <laughs> so um, yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, he yeah. is, and yeah. um, and they've been doing that since 1993. When did you? When did uh, so when did Toro Bravo Toro open? Bravo opened in 2007. 2007. Yep, we're going on 11 years. So 11 years in 1993, that's 25. So do you do you see 16 years from now? Can you look that far out? I, based on what we've been talking about, well, it's kind of... I mean, there's you know definitely been some 
kind of kinks in our wheels um, with John's health. But um, we've always said, even pre-brain tumor, that our retirement plan is to move to a beach where we can open a little restaurant with like 10 or 15 seats and I can serve and he can cook. And we'll be open like four days a week. Is it a tropical beach? Or can I wish that you'll be out in Manzanita? I don't know how long I'm going to be there. No, I need some sun. You need sun? <laughs> well, you get it now. Yeah, yeah I know. It's such, God, the climate But it's a tropical real. thing. It's like yeah. kind, kind of a Shawshank. It's an escape. It's a Shawshank yeah. redemption yeah. concept <laughs> is what you're looking for. Yeah, but like that's so like totally John and I, our retirement plan is to just work for ourselves and not have any employees. <laughs> well, but most people's retirement plan are not to be working. Yeah. So. Well, it's just like when I was rebelling at 15, I'm like, I'm going to get a job and pay taxes. <laughs> How are you with taxes now? Oh, I love my accountant. <laughs> Good. But you, but you guys are probably paying, uh, you, you know, uh, you're dealing with some issues, not only on personal taxes, but there's a lot going on in the, in, on the business side in terms of taxes, minimum wage, a yes. lot of business issues. And then I saw you dealt with some shitty crime outside of Tor- Plaza del Toro, some uh, those oh. kind of things. Just you well, don't need if those. If you live in Portland today, you understand that the city has changed and that you have to prioritize your own safety, safety of my employees, the you know preservation of my buildings. I've had guests sitting outside of Taste and Alder be assaulted by a passerby, I mean, whacked in the head with a skateboard, punched in the face. I mean, if you come downtown today, you're going to see some shit. Yeah. And it's really it's unfortunate. Bad. And I've I've lost a little faith in our administration. I've gotten involved politically. I've kind of tried to, you know, step it up. Um, you know, in September, we're hosting a big solve cleanup around the Southeast Industrial Area. I've joined the Southeast Industrial Council. Um, when you get an inside glimpse of the inefficiency of local government, nothing will make you want to move to a beach sooner. Um, at the same time, you know, I love the city and I want to be a part of it. So what I can do is I can keep my my street clean. And you are a part of it. You're a yeah. big part of it. Yeah. For yeah, anybody who's following the food world, you're you are, yeah. you know. So right can at I the center of it. can I make a, a a shameless plug and talk about you? Well, I was going to segue okay, there. Okay, good, good, thanks. good. I saw second, the time. Second come. podcast in a row. The guest has oh. has taken the reins. You can edit this out. Oh no, no, it's fine. So no, do your shameless plug. Okay. We hope. So here's the thing about yeah. our podcast is yeah. it's not a radio show. Yeah. So this is going to run right before the event you're about yes. to shamelessly plug. And it's not shameless because I view anything good out yeah. there that's worth going to. It's a public service announcement. It's a public service announcement. It's cool. Yeah, it's a public service announcement. But a lot of people are going to hear about this after the fact. Yeah. But the key to that is, I'll get, we'll get to what mm-hmm. you're doing, but the key to that is just check in to uh, Plaza del Toro yeah. and any of the restaurant websites, Toro mm-hmm. Bravo, to see what's going on because it's now it's not just restaurants there are events that go along and you guys yeah. run some really fun cool events so we've got some if you some miss this one which is so uh starting august 27th uh we're doing a laruta event so you mentioned the laruta um pdx festival uh gastronomic festival that we hosted last year after john was diagnosed we decided to kind of tone it down this year just because we didn't have 
the planning power that we did last year. So we're doing a series of events under the La Ruta title. Coming up is Tuna Week. Uh, so from August 27th, I'm sorry, July 27th to August 3rd, we are actually celebrating the bluefin tuna. Now, I know this is an endangered species. Uh, we're very sensitive to sustainability. So we're bringing this 500-pound bluefin tuna in from Belfuego, which is an amazing and very unique Spanish company. They sustainably ocean farm these tunas. So we're purchasing a 500-pound tuna. We had to be kind of assessed and... Um, uh, we had to apply to to even purchase this thing. So last year on John's um, culinary tour in Spain, he swam with these tunas. We were initially introduced to this gorgeous product um, at the festival last year by Chef Jordi Pera, formerly of, of Albuli. He smuggled some of this gorgeous tuna belly in through a suitcase into the States. We said, oh my God, we got to get our hands on on one of these. So we're buying this 500-pound tuna. We're kicking the week off with a dim sum tapas where each one of our chefs from every service of all of our restaurants are coming to do a dish. And that is what, what that's the 27th? That's the 27th at Plaza del Toro. All right. Yeah. I have to go to that. I saw that and thought, I need to go to this. I just had to I find know you don't do I... a lot of events, but this is when you should no, come to. No, I, I do events. I just like to have someone to go with that I want to go with to yeah. events. Yeah. I don't like going to events by myself. Yeah. And Actually, I don't well, mind. I'll be there. Here's the thing. I know, but I can't. I'm not <laughs> well, sitting with you. Actually, I don't mind it. I Most of the time, I end up sitting with someone and enjoying it, but it's that, you know, I don't know. But at yeah. any rate... That sounds, it's not about me. Again, we had a caller, we had someone write us and say, Chris, stop talking about yourself. Sorry, hey, I did it again. It's your podcast. It's your, exactly. Thank you. It, well, it's your podcast. No, but, but they make a good point. We're here to learn about Renee, not about me. Thanks. No one really, who am I? It doesn't right? matter. Well, you're the guy having me on the show, so I can talk about what we do. So I appreciate yeah, no, that. I, I <laughs> you're like the host. That too. And, you know, sometimes Court and I have a little banter beforehand, and, yeah. I, and I enjoy that. I mean, because yeah. the reason this podcast is happening is because we're both kind of bantering people. Yeah. So that's how this all came about. But uh, August 27th, yeah. and if you miss that, if you're listening to yeah. this after that, just... So each one of the restaurants will be highlighting their uh, bluefin tuna dishes throughout the week, which is actually 10 days, um, at all of our locations. So if you want to come taste some delicious and, fresh tuna... You and you know no nobody is going to be dialing it in on that. That's going to be... Right. It's got to be... Uh, how much... Do, do you mind my asking? You don't have to tell me, but yeah. how much does a 500-pound... Bluefin tuna cost being shipped from. Uh, I don't mind Spain. you asking at all. It's about ten thousand dollars. Okay, ten grand. Yeah. So you need to sell a little tuna. I got to sell a little tuna. All right. But you know, we don't pay for advertising. We don't have a you know we have a marketing kind of budget internally, which is pretty much me and my colleague Trent posting on social media. Um, but I look at these sorts of events as a great way to highlight kind of the the values and the principles of our company, which is we want to push forward. We want to connect with the world. We want to bring amazing products to Portland. And this is a great way to do that. It is. And you just, the amazing was the number three. So you're, you're, <gasps> oh, you're canceled. Yeah. It's off. You're done. <laughs> I timed out perfectly. Though. I know. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, 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 no. Uh, it's perfect. Thank you for, uh, you for taking me. your time and thank you for sharing yeah. with us because I know it's not easy and um, we appreciate it. It is what it is. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 